0: This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up with your host, Quinn Amoram. Welcome to the show, my friends. Today, we have with us the founder and host of WIM, the What Is Movement. When she was born, the doctors told her mother that the best she could hope for was to find a nice institution for her daughter to spend her life. The prognostics of her life were dismal, and no one would expect that she would even walk, talk, and certainly not exhibit some of the great feats of athleticism that she does now. She has inspired her friends, fellow athletes, and a community with her relentless pursuit of physical endeavors, despite physical limitations that she was born with. We have with us Courtney Turner. Courtney, how's it going?
1: Well, thanks. Great to be here. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Courtney. So, I mean, what kind of physical limitations would make a doctor say something like that to a parent?
1: So I was born with what's called congenital rubella. My mother had germ measles during the first trimester of pregnancy, and the prognosis for rubella babies is not very good, typically. Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually fairly lucky in the grand scheme of rubella babies, but I was rendered with several complications. I had a cataract in my left eye when I was first born. I had to have it removed when I was three months old. I had my first surgery when I was three months old. Um, I had several subsequent eye surgeries. I am blind in that eye. I can tell you if the light's on or off, but that's about it. Um, I also am bilaterally hearing impaired. I learned how to speak by reading lips. I got hearing aids when I was about six years old. Um, but up until then, I was wearing a patch over my sighted eye, trying to strengthen what little vision I had in the other eye. And I didn't have hearing aids, so I was essentially blind and deaf every other day of my childhood until I got hearing aids. I also had heart surgery when I was about a year old. I was born with what's called hypotonia. Um, so many people may have heard of like hypertrophy when you're trying to build muscles. Hypotonia is the opposite. The muscles wouldn't develop. Um, So I was born with hypotonic limbs, Um, asymmetrical bone development. I had fine and graphic motor impairments. Um, I was missing 10 teeth. So there were several challenges and complications. So the doctors were not thinking that there was going to be a very bright future for me. They, They also thought I might be autistic. Uh, mentally challenged, you know, which was very common of rubella babies. So. Wow! Unfortunately, I mean, uh, my mom was not really one to say, "Sure, let's put her in an institution." She was definitely she had a she had a belief in me. She didn't really think that this prognosis was accurate, um, and she saw a lot more potential in me than what the doctors had told her might be possible. And uh, she and uh, my family really fought, you know, to try and get second opinions and, you know, get me whatever care and help that they possibly could. So,
0: I mean, the the list, the list of things is is huge. But I mean, uh, looking at you now, it looks like the, the the muscle development one. That's the one that had the, the harder to pronounce name. Hypotonia is that it?
1: Hypotonia, yeah. So super lucky. Uh, we had a baby nurse who suggested putting me in a wet sandbox, and I, even as a very, even as an infant, was somebody driven by intrinsic satisfaction, um, meaning that I liked the feeling of accomplishing things. That was a reward for me, and so they would make this wet sandbox where they had my toys just slightly out of reach. So because of the hypotonia, I couldn't turn over. I certainly couldn't crawl yet, but I I couldn't even turn um, because the muscles were so underdeveloped. But because of the resistance of the wet sand um, and because they were just slightly out of reach, it created neuromuscular stimuli. And eventually that led to hypertrophy, um, where my muscles could start to develop. And, you know, it was like resistance training, essentially, um, but as an infant. (laughs) And so I was very, very fortunate. Very fortunate that that did work. It was successful, uh, and that we had somebody who could, you know, suggest that. <laughs> oh, I'm eternally grateful to my baby our Alice.
0: Well, I, I mean, I was looking at some of your pictures, and it looks like today you're doing uh, better than uh, I would say 95 percent of any North Americans. I saw a picture; it looked like you were doing push-ups with one arm only. So I'm guessing that. That is it is it gone or
1: yeah. is I'm
0: gone. All right. So um growing up, did you have any difficulties with some of these physical aspects? Were did they still affect you going through to school in high school?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um my vision is still an issue today. I only see out of one eye, so well, I'm very fortunate to have vision in that eye. I still don't get 20/20 even corrected with the one eye, because I have rubella pigmentation on the retina of my sighted eye. Mm-hmm. So some days the vision's stronger than others, uh, but I'm you know still see pretty normally, quote unquote. I'm able to drive, but I don't get motion parallax. So this means that if an object is coming towards me or I'm moving towards an object. I have trouble, I have difficulty gauging how far away it is or where I'm going to land or where the object is going to land. So for instance, ball sports, uh, I actually came a sixteenth of an inch of going blind, playing lacrosse. Uh, I misjudged where the ball was and it came and smacked me a sixteenth of an inch away from my cornea in the eye I see out of and shattered my nose. We don't do ball sports anymore. This is not my thing. <laughs> but even if I'm jumping, you know, when I do a box jump, I have to really assess and calculate. Essentially, it's like doing math equations in my head. It's not conscious, but that's essentially what it is, is uh, spatial reasoning, in order to figure out how much power I need to land. Because what happens with motion, motion parallax, for depth perception, one I see straight, the other I see is on an angle. And that's how you get the depth perception. And for me, I can intellectually get gauge depth perception, looking straight and then measuring roughly against the periphery of what I see, but I can't account for motion parallax, because that's while you're in motion, and so that trajectory changes, right? So that's when it becomes a challenge, and it becomes a challenge in, you know, the most simplest to the most advanced of tasks. However, I've definitely done a really good job, I think, you know, of learning to cope with it and learning how to compensate But several other, I'm hearing impaired, I fortunately do wear hearing aids now, which is a tremendous asset in my life, very, very helpful, but I still depend largely on reading lips, so I'm often unaware of how much I depend on it, until you're faced with a global pandemic and everybody's wearing a mask and I have no clue what anybody's Uh... saying, (laughs) right, or people will turn away from me and try talking to me, like, huh, what, you know, I don't know what they're saying. Uh, So those kinds of things are still an ongoing uh, challenge. The other challenges were things that had more or less resolved themselves. You know, the the hypotonia, I still, I'm aware of it in term in athletic pursuits. Uh, My core fires first. So when I'm learning a new movement, you know, I tend to, it's not the worst problem to have because typically it should be core to extremity, but I do notice that it takes me longer to learn more limb-dominant movements. Um, that's just a neurological coordination type thing. Um, but for the most part, the other challenges are not something I deal with as much now, although some of the dental issues are still present today. Dental, hearing, vision are, yeah. <laughs> but the others are things I've definitely learned to cope with So
0: and overcome. You, you know what, if, if I, didn't know your story or somebody that doesn't know your story and they go and check out the, the WIM page on Facebook. I see some images. It looks like you are training for that Ninja warrior or American Ninja that, you know, the TV show. Um, so I did try out. Sorry. I,
1: I did try out for American Ninja warrior several years ago and that was actually how I got the concept for the show, When well, I, I had tried out and in order to be on the show, you have to submit a video. I had created a video to submit and my ex-boyfriend's time was an editor and he helped me make the video. However, he told me I had a two hour window the next day if I wanted any changes to be made. So I tried to send it out to get some feedback, you know, from. I couldn't get a portal to upload it. It was such a massive file. So if you know, like, a really, you know, professional uh, video is a very large file. I couldn't even upload it on my computer in less than 72 hours. I didn't have that long. So I uploaded it onto Facebook. Facebook's very savvy with this sort of thing. And it took 10 minutes even on Facebook, which shows you how big this file was. So I made it private, and I sent it to six people. And they were like, my parents, my sister, my trainer, my best friend, um, my, he, I call him my big brother. He's my manager in New York. I actually put him in business years ago. And uh, so, and then also my lawyer, who was my production uh, partner for, for a few years, uh, a while back. And I sent it to all of them, but it was private, in a private message. And uh, I got a call from my lawyer who's on the East Coast, so 6 a.m. And he told me he saw my video. And I said, yeah, I sent it you know, in a private message. And it, he said, no, 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 it's up on Facebook. It's it public. And I immediately started crying, tears streaming down my face. I was really emotionally distraught. And he said, don't worry about it. Legally, you're fine. You say it's a submission video. The worst they can do is not pick you, which, in my opinion, is what will happen because now your story is out there. And I have no idea if that's why I got picked or I didn't get picked. I I don't know. I you know, I have no way of knowing that. But that was his assessment. And he said, but it's just really personal. I've never heard you share your story publicly before. He's right. I had never shared it on camera before. And so I went to look and overnight 3,000 people had seen it already. Uh And so I wanted to rescind it, but... The way Facebook worked back then is that once it had been shared, it was in the public domain. I couldn't just take it down. I'd only be taking down my version. I I think that's changed now, but this was years ago. So anyhow, long story short, I did not get picked to run the course, and I was very devastated. I'm a very passionate person. When I go for something, I go, like, all in. And so I didn't do pull-ups for six weeks. I mourned the process. I emotionally couldn't handle it, and I really did give myself time to just to truly mourn. And after six weeks was up, I said, "Okay, Corney, it's time for you to pick yourself up and you know move on." But before I did that, I felt I always feel like it's really important, you know, when things when you have a we'll call it a perceived failure, right? Because a lot of times, stumbling blocks along the way we think of as failure and while I was really devastated, I always think it's really important to look at the lessons that can be derived from the experience. And not only, you know, sometimes those lessons are hard and you have to take a good, cold look at the situation yourself, you know, all of these things. But I also think it's really important to take something positive from it. What are you going to carry with you that's going to propel you to move forward, that's going to give you some sort of hope? I think that's super, a super important component of moving forward and making progress in your life. And the thing that kept coming up for me was that because so many people had seen it, the feedback that I got ubiquitously was how inspired people were. And I had some people tell me just really touching stories of how it helped them or helped people that they shared it with um, or gave them hope. And I looked at that And, of course, you know, it's my life, so I don't think of me as very inspiring. I live my life every day, you know. (laughs) But I started to think about all these people I knew who were athletes with disabilities and how inspiring they are. And wouldn't it be amazing if there was a platform where they could inspire the world and wouldn't it be rewarding and validating for them as well to have that platform? And that's where I came up with the concept. But I started talking to people, and the more people I talked to, the more I realized, Contrary to what you might think, these people don't move in spite of. Most of them move, or all that I spoke to, move because of. And that's how I came up with the premise, and this is my, my mantra, is that all human beings are designed to move, but the ways in which we do are our unique creative expressions. And so human uh, movement is healing for all human beings. And that's what I wanted to explore. And that's how I came my very long-winded story for how I came up with WIM, what is movement? <laughs>
0: Nice. So, WIM, what is movement? Um, is it just a online movement? What else is it? What's it all? In, uh, what does it entail?
1: Right now, I'm in the process of pitching the show. I've done seven episodes on my own, uh, and uh, it's it's both. It's an interview as well as B-roll style. So you see the athletes uh, showcased in their whatever area of expertise it is. Um, But it's really exploring, I call it movement as opposed to like exercise or physical training or because to me it really is, I think of movement, I think of, uh, you know, our bodies as our physical home. You know, we are mental, physical, spiritual, emotional beings, but our bodies are our physical home. That's where we reside. And movement is the way that we inhabit that. And it's the way that we express that to the world. And that's what I want to explore is really the healing components of movement because movement embodies, it's just like when you think about your, your physical home that you live in, right? When you make that a nurturing environment that's conducive to your life, whatever that means for you, then your productivity increases, right? Your sense of security, your sense of uh, nourishment, your sense of creativity, all of those things are enhanced. And I think that's the same with inhabiting your physical home, which is your body. And so that's what I want to explore with people. And so far I have seven episodes and we've done that with all of those. And the stories are amazing, truly inspiring of, you know, people whose lives were changed by finding their movement and their creative expression through movement. And so, yeah, so now we're, uh, we're looking for a home for the show so to keep going.
0: Very good. Very good. So, um, sometime in the past you worked in a film slash television industry.
1: Yes. I was an actress for several years and through acting, I kept getting called into production, (laughs) um, Mostly so I could act. (laughs) But I did then start moving into more producing arenas, mostly uh, independent film. But I started out with theater production, actually, Uh, both theater acting and theater production. So, yeah. So this is – it's not that far removed. It's it's now bridging the two worlds, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Courtney, do you believe our bodies – can heal anything if we knew how to control our our minds? If we know how to control our brain, do you believe we we could heal our bodies?
1: I absolutely think there's tremendous healing power um, that comes from within, and that the brain, the mind, uh, has tremendous power to heal. Do I think we can heal everything? You know, that would be... I, I couldn't answer that. You know, I, I think there's not enough Evidence and for me, as one person, to say you know conclusively that I think we could heal everything, I'm I'm not so sure about that. But do I think that we can heal a lot more than we think we can? And do I think that our mindset is tremendously powerful? Absolutely. And I think it's very undermined and underestimated and under underutilized typically. So I think it's I love to see more people tapping into that. Absolutely.
0: Definitely. And the reason why I asked was um, because of the latest interview with. Elon Musk, where he mentioned that they're building this chip that's going to be implanted in people's brains. And within the, the next five years, uh, people will be able to heal themselves because, with that. And so, I mean, it's...
1: What that's the amazing. Of,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's Super cool, exciting, or if it's a little bit scary at the same time.
1: (laughs) Probably. I would say it's probably a combination of both. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, Yeah, the the can of worms that that could open is definitely quite large, very expensive. (laughs) Indeed.
0: Yeah. So, Courtney, your relationship with failure, uh, do you believe it's like different than what other people have because a lot of people are afraid of it are you still afraid of failure or um or it's not even failure but obstacles right do you do you look for obstacles to overcome or do you avoid them
1: absolutely I mean, yeah, so this is a very interesting question to me because I actually think that there is a little bit of a distinction between failure and obstacles. I think there's absolutely a distinction. So I'll answer the question about obstacles, challenges first, Uh, and I absolutely seek out obstacles and challenges. I think that that is a huge part of growth. Um, I think it's tremendously empowering. It's how we learn about ourselves, about the world around us, our relationship to our potential. You know, we don't really know what we're capable of until we are met with challenges. And so I think that that is something, I actually started my college essay. I said, you know, my life began as a series of challenges. And since then, I've continued to seek out mental, physical, emotional challenges to overcome. And I 100% think that that is how I live my life. I am a huge believer. And it's part of what I love about movement so much because they're physical challenges, right? And they're tangible, they're concrete you can't argue with them. You know, they're, they're there. You either tackle it or you don't. And you're either willing to keep putting in the work to get there or you're not. And it's going to make it really clear. So failure, I think, is slightly different because I do believe there is such thing as failure. And it's about how do you cope with that. And am I, you ask, am I afraid of failure? I'm not necessarily afraid of obstacles. I think obstacles are a tremendous growth opportunity. But I'm human, right? I absolutely have years of failure. But what I also recognize is having been through so much in my life, I recognize that a lot of times what we perceive as failure isn't really failure. And that failure is not, uh, it's not finite, it's not concrete, it's not the end. And I think that that's what stumps people a lot is oftentimes they look at failure. And there's, you know, a couple of things going on. One is they may be perceiving something as failure that isn't really failure. It's just a slight bump in the road and they make it like, you know, they make this, uh, they make it much bigger than it actually is, you know, mountain out of a motel type thing. And so I think that happens with failure a lot of times. So the first step is to really assess it. Is this really a failure or is this just a little bump in the road, a small obstacle that I need to, you know, buck up and overcome? Or is this something that is a really big setback? And sometimes we do have to cut our losses and run. We have to acknowledge like I may have failed. This may be, you know, something I need to learn from and move on. But that's just the key. The key is what do I learn from that and how do I move on? It's not the end. The end is it's not the end until it's the end. And you'll know, right? You'll know when it's the end. So I think that that's the big thing. Am I afraid of failing? I don't know if afraid is quite the right word, but I certainly have all of those emotions around it. It's not something I look forward to. It's not, but I do see it as being different than obstacles for sure.
0: Yeah. Nice. I like I like that you mentioned that um, failure basically. Uh, every, everybody can perceive failure as different things. what some people think is a big failure, others may think it's just you, you know, normal normal day life. But um, you also mentioned you have to know when to let go because I mean, I only consider a failure something that when you give up on something, it finally becomes a failure. But sometimes we have to really measure is it worth to pursue, or can I cut my losses and just start over? So that's actually a smart movement too. And it's actually minimizing the failure, right? Because we can't just – I see there's a TV show, The Shark Tank. I don't know if you've ever seen The Shark Tank. There's a lot of people that go there and they're pursuing their dreams and they have sunk their entire life into something that has no potential because uh, they didn't really measure, right? So that's a great point.
1: Yeah. I, talk, I always think of life as being a balance of risk versus reward, right? And I think as human beings, it's one of the very unique, uh, amazing, incredibly uh, different and wonderful qualities that we have as human beings that differentiate us from other species that we consciously weigh out risk versus reward. And therefore, we can balance out like, what is worth, like you said, continuing to pursue. And I think that that's, I think we do that every day. We do it in small ways. And then, you know, sometimes like you're talking about these people on Shark Tank who are doing it in a much grander sense, you know, and you have to, that's where failure does become relevant because you have to take into consideration, is this something that I'm going to keep going after? And if it keeps going, if it keeps going down, how much more am I going to lose? And is it worth it to keep losing more? Mm -hmm. You know, or is this something that, and if I really believe that, I may lose in the short run, but eventually I'm going to win really big. You know, and I don't mean, you uh, know, in flip incentive of uh, win, like, you know, at a slot machine, type win. But, you know, if eventually I keep pouring into this and I keep, you know, and I have little bumps along the road and they seem like I'm losing, but I recognize, you know, down the road, eventually this is all going to be worthwhile, then it's worth it. But sometimes you have to weigh that. And unfortunately we don't have a crystal ball. So, you know, we're constantly just assessing
0: it, and we're doing the best we can with the information we have at the time. Nice. So, Courtney, I know your mission now is to help others in overcoming some of their, I don't know, uh, lack of movement or whatever it is. So, people that want want that help and they want to know more about, let's say, uh, the what is movement, the WIM. Where can they know more? Where can they contact you and hear about the WIM movement?
1: So I'm in the process of getting my website up and going, so that it, that will be up there soon. But for now, I would say definitely find me at Kinetic Courts on link, on uh, Instagram or Courtney Turner on LinkedIn or Courtney Turner on Facebook. All the social media platforms, I'm there. Good place to find me.
0: Sounds good. I'll have those on the show notes for everybody to check out. I'll have Instagram, LinkedIn, and Wim on Facebook. Courtney, thank you Courtney so much. Courtney Turner on yeah. Oh, okay. so Thank you. I'll have done that as well. So Courtney Turner as well in there. Thank you so much. It was a big pleasure and congratulations on overcoming everything. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
0: Thanks for subscribing to fail fast podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit Failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.